Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome back to our show where we talk about TV shows with friends. We're really, really happy to have all of our friends out there listening with us today to talk about Gentleman Jack, episodes four and five. This show has taken us on a really fun ride so far, and I'm excited, Steve, to get into it. So without further ado, Steve, tell us a little more about Gentleman Jack four and five. Yes, so glad we're continuing here on Shows with Friends with Gentleman Jack. Of course, you tuned in last time. Eli had the option not to continue watching this series as we always give each other an out after the third episode. But thankfully, for me especially, Eli decided he wanted to continue with this first season. And I'm so glad he did because it's so great really to watch this series a second time because it's just so rich and deep and complex and interesting. And so to really kind of, for the opportunity for me to watch it again, I've just been picking up on a bunch of stuff that I didn't catch the first time. Um, Elements of the language, really Mm. all the different antagonists that Ann Lister has to face. There seems to be just all these affronts coming issues from all around and it it because this is based on a real story it feels like real life when things come at you all at once and you're like why isn't this stopping you know and it's just you're really seeing all these things swirling whether it's you know your classic evil guys the ralston brothers and doing their bad deeds to just the social aspect the cousin mrs Priestley, who has fallen out and is starting to talk smack and how that's coming back around and affecting relationships to the tenants to you know um, but there was some wonderful moments here that i think some of the other characters had that i can't wait to get into but now that we've passed the three episode threshold just want to Ask Eli, what did you think of episodes four and five as the series is continuing in its first season? Yeah, four and five. Wow. It was uh, quite a ride. And I think it could be even as we look at them together or uh, in the same podcast episode, a bit of a counterpoint in a way. And overall just a roller coaster of episodes. They go deeper in both Anne's personal story, business dealings, and as you were saying, some of the other characters. In these two episodes, I feel further show how this is extrapolated from her actual experiences and diary because They are, uh, as you were saying, like you get to see all these uh, obstacles and antagonists and foils, you know, in her her story and life, because this is her real life or based on her real life. And you also just get to see the actual storm around her being her in this time. And it really comes more clearly into focus uh, as we'll dig into stuff that happens throughout both episodes. But I feel like this, these two episodes, especially uh, we get to see clearly how much uh, it takes and how much she's committed to being herself, even in this time Um, and how relevant, as you've said before, 
her story and struggle is today, not only uh, allegorically or metaphorically, but just simply literally, and to think how crazy that is that in almost 200 years, some things have barely changed. So big ups to Ann Lister. Um, and this big ups. Big ups to Ann Lister for being herself. Or maybe today, you know, she wouldn't even identify as herself. We don't know. Um, and these episodes really, really show uh, such a stark, accurate view of what it's like to be her. And, Steve, these episodes start to also show her real weakness or what can become her weaker side, which is this prone maybe to falling a little too much, uh, as we saw early on, Ms. Hobart and now um, Ann Walker. So these really show a depth of uh, her struggle and her character, her personality, and it gets interesting. It certainly does, and... I'm glad you brought up her, let's say, let's call it her, maybe her, every character is a tragic flaw, right? Her person has a, a tragic flaw. And I would sure. say, yeah, like she, she goes all in uh, on everything and in relationships, it's either all or nothing for her. So yes. it becomes, it becomes very clear that, and it's an interesting relationship that as the viewer, we get these sort of personal asides it even goes as far as to have a full-on conversation at one point in the fifth episode with the viewer, mm, right? True, very true, yeah. So, we, so we're getting these things, and she's, I feel like what the message was in the first three episodes was like, this isn't a big deal. Like, I'm going to make her love me, and like, you know, yeah. she'll work, I'll be happy, like, but I'm not going to get, you know, all caught up. Like, I, uh, I'll be all right. And then you just saw her really going head over heels and just being full in falling in love mode and yeah it, you know in a lot of ways it's we can call it a flaw but it's also like a remarkably beautiful thing to watch and the performance i thought was so powerful of by saran jones and just the depth that really when she's in those moments and those scenes with endless with ann walker yeah where she's just bearing her soul and like fighting to come up with like the raw emotional argument or statement mm -hmm. about how she's feeling. There's just something that's just so it's like guttural or just like deep mm -hmm. about those moments and just vulnerable and revealing and yeah, very revealing. Yeah. Yeah. And the, those moments really show us, uh, as you were saying, I don't know if it's a flaw, right? right. Um, and certainly in the story that's unfolded thus far seems to be uh, hubris of sorts and moreover um, certainly a pattern, it seems, right? The story that's been told to us, which obviously we know we've just been dropped into a moment and now a few moments of this actual person's life. But in what we've seen, Yes, this is uh, becoming uh, a, something that happens. And where we see Anne's emotion and Lister's like true emotion and her actual hurt and her actual wearing and carrying all these scars. And prior, mm -hmm. she's been so strong, especially in the face of men, as we've said business, negotiations, intellect. Um, and now in these four and five, we start to see the tenderness and then the scars and the hurt that she's faced. And it's a real, uh, it's a real kind of uh, stark view on both sides. As we said, these are a bit of a counterpoint. And for me, it was definitely an emotional, uh, but moreover, just a like real character study of a roller coaster. Um, so 
we're certainly feeling this, and yet um, we're starting to also become observers in this story to some degree as well, right? Like we can see mm-hmm. the things unfolding, and we kind of know at times a little more than Ann Lister, which is really fascinating if you think about how this is written. But we're starting to be in that role of like viewers that kind of know she's losing it, losing whatever it is. Like she's in danger in these episodes because she's so all in all the time, be it business, negotiations, um, love, punishing the Ross and brothers for stealing their coal, whatever it is. She's so all in that she, I think could be said she gets tunnel vision and maybe that's her fatal flaw. It's not like a fatal flaw to necessarily be all in for love and passion and strongly being yourself, but it's uh, cause maybe causes her tunnel vision and that allows her to get blindsided uh, somewhat slowly throughout these and then uh, (laughs) abruptly towards the end, but we're skipping ahead a little. So, Coming back to four, um, we get to see a bit of the softer side and some incredible moments um, in four and a continuation of where we left off, right, with several stories in three, including, of course, James and the tenants and what's going to happen and become and... Uh, and the way that plays out through four and five is really interesting. Um, but yeah, I don't know if there was one, you know, sort of story or overarching, you know, feeling or something you wanted to talk about in four. But for me, four, I was like really kind of enjoying the ride, right? Four, <clears throat> four was like, okay, yeah, I want to see what happens. And, um, then as we, you know, transition to five, I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> I don't know how. This, this roller coaster sounds a little creaky. Um, so before we dive <laughs> deep into the whole uh, story in four, um, yeah, we see some very interesting stuff uh, transpire. So I don't know if there was anything that really caught you more uh, in four, Steve. Yeah, definitely. And good catch with the, you know, it's easy to say, I guess saying fatal flaw, I was looking for just some kind of way to describe a character trait in her that just allowed her to get so vulnerable and expose herself and open herself up to heartbreak and heartache, which she seems to be susceptible to. Um, I thought four was great for the, all the subplots to strengthen the sort of minor characters and also to give us more of a sense of the world, especially when she went down into the coal pits to check it out and you saw the child <laughs> labor. Yeah. Yeah. Gnarly Brutal. stuff. Yeah. And you really got what the captain was saying when he was like nasty business. It's not just that they're nasty with each other. It's just literally a nasty business. They have little kids in there on 12 hour shifts. I think that kid was like six years old or something like the one who had the head injury. Right. Oh my gosh. And they were like, he's almost too big. Like, it was almost like, it's like, wait, don't have anyone younger than him. Um, So just a dark period of our history as human beings. We had children doing doing this work. And it was interesting to see our main character inspecting. Okay. It's okay. All right. Everything looks ship shape here. Yeah. When can I start? Like, it was just (laughs) like, (laughs) it's like, oh my God. Yeah, completely normal. Yeah, and of course there is still child labor around the world uh, in in dark places, as we know. Um, But yeah, this is just uh, the practice and obviously completely, completely accepted. And I think it also um, ties into the story about the tenants whose cart, uh, you know, gets almost toppled by, we think, Christopher Rawson. And the boy who loses his leg that falls off, right? And it's like, Mm -hmm. uh, he'll never work again, right? And so that boy is already counted as a laborer uh, when they, like, sign their deal to become tenants uh, on that property and, you know, farm. And so thinking about that and, yeah, these kids in the coal mines, like, they're born into that and not in, like, a 
slavery or servitude sense other than just a complete caste system that puts children into uh, virtual, you know, slave positions in that they are without a choice for this labor, it seems. They're forced into this labor. Mm. Um, certainly we don't want to get any deeper into historical comparisons, but um, forced child labor in any any sense when you have to actually see it and confront it more honestly seems pretty horrible. And so, yeah, a uh, very interesting scene as they go through, um, you know, they're literally in these coal carts, right? Um, yeah, that's just a just a gnarly, chilling scene. That's that whole sequence, and then just how it was sort of okay. Businesses, you know, hey, this looks like a great prospect. You know, let's just keep moving everything, move the ball forward here. After seeing this, yeah, it's just it's just kind of like whoa. Um, but yeah, I thought uh, the minor characters really shined in. For I think it might have been the opening scene, and it was. Mr. Priestley, the husband of the now problem-making cousin, he said something to the effect of the unspoken isn't always the unknown. And we're just starting to get these little clips of this, whether that was pulled from Anne's diary or just other things at the time, like the language is sort of spreading and this richness that everyone's, even the minor characters are getting these very poetic moments and and dialogue that's like that's super rich yeah um the uh the captain um i thought i thought the interplay with the family in this episode was also really strong and they really seem to be kind of a record i don't know if it's a reconciliation but just some pleasant moments between her and her sister mm-hmm. yeah and, very pleasant um, yeah, and, and the captain, you know, when she wanted to have the gentleman, Mr. Abbott, the sister wants to have Mr. Abbott over, who's in trade, and the captain says, you know, we're descendant from trade. She forgets that. Right. It's kind of like, you know, sort of defiant and that things are okay to not be normal. And it's it's awesome to always hear that from his character. And he always sort of seems, always like these moments... That guy really keeps you sort of on the edge of your toes for like what he's going to say and what those moments are going to be like. Yeah, his insightful, insightful uh, moments of commentary and uh, sometimes asked for and sometimes just, you know, kind of running commentary, but always, as we've said, you know, before, super insightful and uh, Mm. incredible. And of course, unfortunately... <laughs> the story with Mr. Abbott uh, goes oh, yeah. <laughs> goes and flips on us, and it's funny how they do that. Um, but yeah, in episode four, um, we get, as I was kind of saying, we get this uh, much more feel good, uh, very stark, um, but overall um, kind of feel good. Whether it's the sisterly. Uh, reconciliation or um, just overall that it looks like there is a way for Anne's and Lister's will uh, in this world. Uh, we're left with a lot of hope. Um, and coming out of uh, three, there was uncertainty. So I felt like four was like, wow, yeah, we get these richer stories, this uh, more, you know, deep, deep, you know, what does it mean when it keeps getting deeper? Deepening, I guess. Enriching. Enriching, yeah. Um, Story of Anne Lister and um, a clearer picture of the world she's trying to operate in. And uh, overall, four, I was like, yeah, okay. And I was thinking about it. And then we got into five, Steve, and... Uh. Right. I, I do agree. I do agree that uh. four really, really um, strengthened and made strong a lot of the things that were set up in three. Yeah. And her, that little scene with her lawyer, she described, he just straight up asked her, what's the plan here? And she <laughs> got right to it. Like, this is what I'm trying to do. And um, the only, there's two other scenes that kind of stuck out to me in four. Um, when uh, John 
talks with Ann Lister about love when they're like drinking beer out in the scene. I thought that was a wonderful scene. <laughs> and, and, um, and then the scene with uh, the Ralston's mom and the, that crazy family and like how gross they were. <laughs> and just, yeah. Rawson. Sorry, Rawson. Sure. Um, yeah, that is amazing. And, uh, such a hilarious, uh, moment for all of, you know, what we've seen of this family and then to put in the perspective that the matriarch is just this like overbearing, unsurprisingly, but mm-hmm. completely just laughing at them and completely in the know and almost enthralled by Ann Lister that she's uh, so strong and interesting and running laps around them. And uh, she has that amazing line, uh, most women these days are so dull and boring or something like that, right? And <laughs> literally they just pan to her, I guess, granddaughters probably. Um, and it's, yeah, it's an amazing scene. And you see now the one person that Christopher Rossin uh, likely fears or uh, is sort of under the thumb of in some ways, mm-hmm. his mom. Um, yeah, that's a, an amazing, hilarious scene. And that character, uh, hope to see more of her as she is just uh, amazingly rich and uh, ebullient. <laughs> yeah, so definitely episode four, reinforcing what we already knew, enriching what we already knew, giving us more depth to the characters that we've been introduced to and and it all... I think really adds to what was a really interesting at times slow and at times startlingly action packed episode five. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's very interesting. The pace. Um, mm. If we keep referring to this, or I keep referring to it as a roller coaster, uh, the first one is all just that, like, Chugga, 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 chugga. It's got some contours, but it's very consistent. And yeah, you're feeling good. And then five, uh, very quickly, really, becomes uh, something different. And uh, this, I don't know if it's really, you know, there's so much opposition. um, But I guess very quickly in five, there's something seriously wrong. Uh, with Ann Walker and with uh, seemingly her ability to be in relationship. Yeah, yeah. Ann Walker has some issues, and she brought it up in four, which was good. They they hinted at it a bit. She talked about her fear of death. But I think what's really coming out is, you know, we're 200 years back, and it's it's there's all this stuff that we know now she's sort of just displaying these mood swings and this, this anxiety. I mean, her anxiety is just through the roof and it's, she's totally okay with when, when Ann Lister's there and they even talk about this and then yeah. when she leaves, she's a wreck. She's a wreck. You know? and, yeah. And it's interesting in episode five, because this all comes into sharp focus uh, through a lot of plot points. We don't have to get into every single you know, thing that happens. There's so much. Um, but mm. moreover, what we see is that Ann Lister, through this blindside or tunnel vision, let's say, maybe a little more accurate, um, has really been tunnel visioning, <laughs> tunnel visioning, no, that doesn't work. <laughs> tunnel visioning out, uh, has really been blocking out the reality of Ann Walker, which is some of her infirmity is imagined uh, and mental and maybe a lot of it. And some of it has become physical, uh, is physical, whatever her reality is, we don't know entirely, but it is real. And she is, yeah, as you were saying, um, only this person that Ann Lister sees when they're together, ultimately. And she's not that strong, independent, 
uh, clear person. And because of her history of both, you know, death in her family and a lot of people hmm, manipulating, let's just say, her. Mm -hmm. um, we won't dig too deeply into all these different parties and things that, you know, we learn or just can kind of see, but she's uh, very precarious uh, of, a, of a human and very um, easily upsettable and easily tippable of a tea saucer. And yeah, she's sort of been swept up in this love affair and uh, has, you know, reveals all these things to Ann Lister about she's always loved her. She's always been ostensibly gay. <laughs> um, though in five, she comes to completely um, at least verbally flip and spurn that idea. But she confides and opens up um, that she's always been basically repulsed by men. Um, she's never had feelings for men. She loved Ann Lister since she first saw her as a teenager, all this stuff. And then in five, we see, yeah, this complete and total flip and reality sets in and or um, she just really is who she is. And the signs are there prior to, you know, their brief love affair to this point that there are some real things wrong with Ann Walker. And this is a very precarious situation with a lot of people watching them. Um, so Ann Lister certainly has her blinders on and is forced to confront the reality in this episode. And I think what's fascinating for me, having been someone who has been in a similar position, <laughs> have loved and uh, then had to confront the reality of what I had been not acknowledging about the relationship in that person and myself as well, um, is to see what someone does when confronted and felt just really honest and real. <clears throat> and yet at the same time, so sad and hard to watch because Ann Lister cannot, she can't get ahead of it in the moment. It's so emotional. Um, she has fallen too far. And as Ann Walker completely, you know, turtles basically reverts back into this um, shell of a human shell of a person who just can't cope with the outside world and Lister's trying to hang on and trying to pull her out and she's in the quicksand and she's struggling and it's really hard to see and it plays out awfully in five and then uh, you know we see as that story starts to you know cave in so do some of her ambitions um she says she doesn't want to take the money now for man walker if they're not going to be together so how's she going to sink her coal pit and then of course the rossins are now where christopher is doubly motivated to uh to push her around and not not heed and cede to her demands so it's a pretty brutal ride for her. And yeah, as you were saying, it kind of like, it's it's a little herky-jerky, right? And we see her at her sort of physical most imposing with the creepy reverend. Whoa, that guy was so gross and creepy. Wow, kudos to the actor for playing that part. Whoa. What a creepy, <laughs> creepy man. Yeah. Well, you may, you know, just before we move forward, you made, you made some great points and I appreciate you revealing a little bit about yourself or, or finding a, um, a personal connection to what Ann Lister was going through. And I could certainly identify myself and I'm sure some of our friends listening could as well. So it makes this show so kind of unique and universal. It really pulls you in and, and well, and almost forces you to connect emotionally with these characters in the way that it's created. And in listening to you talk about episode five, it made me think about what I was talking about. You sort of alluded to it as like the roller coaster. And what I was 
realizing in the moment listening to you, for me, I think they play with tone in this show quite a bit, and specifically in this episode. If you the scenes where it's just the two of them sort of hooking up in bed in the morning, talking, she asks for the money, the confident place that Ann Walker's in, like, of course, happy to lend it to you, no problem. You know, like that ease of being together, you know, and versus the scenes when, again, the outside forces are coming in for her, just yeah. clearly overwhelmed mentally and afraid and just living in this fear of everything. And, and it all being so overwhelming to her being like, we can't do this and they're going to arrest us. And then that scene at breakfast when she shares these concerns and fears with Ann Lister, I really dug that scene and watching it again, it was even more power this time. It was even more powerful. The difference between being a, a gay man at this time and a gay woman and just the very practical reality that it wasn't illegal mm -hmm. what they were doing. And that there was something so matter of fact about that. So there's for Anne Lister, who's obviously has more confidence, self-esteem and ability to accept who she is than Anne Walker does dealing with all these other mental issues and this, I, issue of self-identity as well on top of all of that that for her she feels emboldened by the society and like the ability to be able to just socially throw it in people's faces and there's nothing they can do and if they talk smack it's just it's just going to turn around and look bad on them yeah not on her and her knowledge of that and Anne Walker it's really a tragic character because she you you see her not having the ability to do that and then it in the other scene sort of next scene where it's in the drawing room or the hangout room whatever room that is in in, in this in Anne Walker's big mansion um with the friend who told to leave and that that whole thing before the sort of emotional fallout yeah. there um that her she's really broken she's a really ann walker's just a really broken individual and she it's it, the world is sort of too big for her and, and she's been hinting at it and hinting at it and and now we now we're in a place where ann lister is very much in love with her and is very much hurt by this moment that was sort of bound to happen. Yeah. It was interesting. Yeah. It's sad and it's really hard to see Ann Walker's um, sort of retraction um, into herself. And it happens, you know, over the course of this episode, right? Um, and by the end of it, it's hard to see, you know, how this will change. And of course, Steve, we are friends here watching TV shows. And uh, as this is episode five of eight, right? Eight episodes. We know that uh, there are things called story arc. And mm -hmm. regardless of historical accuracy, um, we believe the show creators would give us some good story arc. So um, in five, my mind is, uh, wow, the roller coaster is, is steep as it starts to descend in it. It's kind of rickety. It kind of, it hurts. Not that smooth. It's not a modern roller coaster, Steve. It's a, it's a little bit painful. I'm also immediately wondering um, how far this elastic stretches before it snaps back, right? Mm, and yeah, totally. I am curious, um, you know, about that sort of larger arc. Uh, but in this, and especially as it relates to this, you know, ongoing love story, and, and as you were just saying, the outside forces that have always preyed upon Ann Walker, and she's always been uh, by herself very 
uh, impervious to, right? Unable mm-hmm. to seemingly fend off and be her own person with this. Um, we see those forces have finally seemingly caused her to fully confront what's going on. And we have that really, really sad moment where, and I think, you know, if it's a direct correlation or not, we can all identify with this moment where she's tracing back the moments that happened to be like, how can this have never happened? How can I never have gotten into a serious relationship with a woman? She's like, if if only this hadn't happened, we would, you know, and she's like, trying to reverse engineer them not falling in love essentially. And it's so awful. And, and Lister's yeah. of course, just the one being crucified by it or, uh, whatever awful metaphor oh, you want to make. Yeah, and, and her response was so, I was speaking about it earlier in the episode. It's just this deep, emotional, vulnerable response. And the, the acting there was mm. just a absolutely triumphant. Yeah. To, to listen and respond. It was so amazing. Yeah. Yeah, and to think that Ann Walker's now, uh, you know, towards the the end of five, she just keeps saying, I'll just have to take, you know, Reverend Ainsworth. And that horrible thought, you know, to be left with that thought that this person is so, um, we don't know, scarred, damaged, um, yeah, it, 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 it perplexes. It's perplexing, hurt. right? And perplexing. for how creepy he was, and in the confrontation, you know, he was very uh, defensive, saying she, you know, classic kind of date rape sort of language. You know, like him being like she, she wanted it wanted even it. more, right? Or yeah, exactly. All the all the classic awful. stuff. And you're right. He was a. It was a good performance for how sort of being awful he was um but yeah uh, so tragic and part of why you know we think about or i've been describing ann walker's character as tragic is that her solution here for herself in these desperate moments is this i should just marry him and it'll be okay and it you know brings me back to that earlier scene at breakfast and ann lister in a way, she's lucky that she knows herself so well. She says, I act as my God-given nature dictates. And that is just not true for Ann Walker. So in a way, they're they're so good together when they're alone. Yeah. And they seem to be such a good fit and make each other so happy. Um, but nothing is perfect, and they're, they're in the wrong time, <laughs> in the wrong place, in the wrong time star-crossed lovers yeah and it makes me think how ann walker's story um is timeless in that um we get the sense she is emboldened by ann lister right and so these moments together she reveals stuff she's never told anyone Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of stuff really right and so she's emboldened in a way she's never been before and that is so intoxicating, you know, for us and for Ann Lister. And the reality is, if that is the case and the rest of her life has never been like this, then her life isn't suddenly going to become this because the person that she spent most of her days being is out of touch with her true nature, seemingly. Once again, we don't, you know, we don't really know, but following yeah. this, right? So, Anne Walker's state of being is out of touch with anything other than she's just constantly getting pushed around and seemingly physically and mentally infirm a lot so that she doesn't drive the ship. Like she's not the captain of her own ship. She's not Mm. the conductor of the train, right? She's firmly just like a passenger getting ferried around everywhere. And that is her reality and that is what she retreats back into and whether it's just you know some other totality of her life or actual stockholm syndrome with the reverend like how freaking creepy mm. is that um but she is and has been this person and the person she's with 
when she's with Ann Lister and over these last several months or however long it's been, isn't, that's the outlier, right? And that's what Ann Lister maybe under appreciates or under notices or whatever it is. Um, as we've said, she just, she goes all in and she falls and she is seemingly, well, no, I guess from what we know of Ann Lister, she's ignoring this, right? Like, some, yeah, like I mean, she has to be ignoring this. She's certainly not considering it. Like she, she's basically stated to the viewer, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do this. I'm going to stay. I'm going to make her my wife. And there's no consideration that is she capable of this? Absolutely. And she, can she step up to the plate in the way that I need her to step up to the plate? It's more like I'm going to make this happen. Yeah, because. Sort of a vibe. Yeah, and it's her idealized vision of like what she could have. She'll move to Shipton and I'll have a companion for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. Everyone knows it's not going to happen. Everyone around her um, in so many ways. So, yeah, it's it's hard to see this confronted and come crashing down. And yet it is was inevitable. Um, So there is a part of this that we we did know this was coming to some degree um, that it doesn't soften the blow. And. I feel like as brutal as uh, parts of three were, right, you know, mm. flipping back to other parts of the story and James and the brutal and all by all means somewhat necessary for his life uh, and his mom's you mean, life. You mean, you mean Thomas? Thomas, sorry. Did I call him James? Yeah, yeah that's okay. Uh, Thomas's, uh, you know, brutal murder of his father and now in five, we see that story uh, resurface as well and confronted. And as you said, with the, you know, the coal and the, you know, the child labor and four, here we go again in five, just the brutal, brutal realities of this time. And we're really confronted uh, over and over with this. And it's such a contrast, these different uh, classes, as we've talked about before, and yeah, then, yeah. and then this um, this male female relationship, which now we see between Thomas and his mother, and this incredible. Yeah, I'm, glad, scene I'm glad you brought dynamic. this up. It was a very suspenseful scene, and and he a wonderful bit of acting by both of those actors, and yeah, it made me think. It makes me think about it. There is no wasted scene. In Gentleman Jack, like any episode, the scenes are very full and important. And that one in particular just had this element of suspense and depth that it was sort of, she finds the belt buckle. You're thinking, what's she going to do with this information? The very next moment, she confronts him and it's just right out there. And then all in the same scene, right? she covers for him. Like and protects him, so it was just like we're talking about a roller coaster. That whole scene was in and of itself a huge roller. Wow, she reveals. I mean, unsurprisingly, but she reveals that she thought she would end up thrown to the mm. pigs. Right? Um, she thought he would ostensibly beat her to death at some point, and she just throw her to the pigs and lie to the kids. You know, so what a yeah, what a crazy scene and story played out through one scene right and it all goes down and yeah she protects him and whether or not that's ever spoken about again we don't know whether or not he dons that belt buckle later in life we don't know uh but she knows she lets him know she knows and then she covers for him in the matter of in a matter of minutes and it's yeah as you said very powerful acting and uh, great, you know, acting, writing. Um, I think there's obviously a lot of writing that goes into how they structure each episode and uh, scene by scene, you know, how the story flows, right? It's uh, interpolated from diaries, but the actual, you know, dialogue uh, of non-essential characters or just the way the scene structure and episode structure flows is... Uh, Really an amazing ride. And so if this is the roller coaster, um, yeah, we're going down now. And it's like, ooh, it's rickety. Ah, it's, a, it's a little scary. And then uh, there is no smooth ending. We, we crash into the bottom at the end of five. 
And very interesting uh, final scene here. And uh, brutal, literally. And we're confronted with everything in a way in that moment. So many of the themes we're talking about and so many yeah. of the stories. And, uh, and Lister gets jumped. Uh, she gets attacked by a, a roughneck, ostensibly sent by the, the Rossins. And, ooh, that's a brutal, brutal scene and uh, everything. Brutal scene, and she, again, suspenseful. She, you know, it was a full, a full fight scene. She fought, but she defended herself valiantly. At one point, you thought she had the upper edge. Right. The guy was huge. He was beyond big and scary and all of that. And the way it ended with the sort of spit to the face and the message, the verbal message, it almost ended more violently than it actually was. And yeah. Yeah. And, even as they he, shot it very <laughs> graphically. Yeah. And you got a sense the show had done so much work at that point, establishing status and class and, and all this stuff. So there was really a sense that this degrading act in spitting in this landowner lady right. space like yeah. was 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 as bad as it could be and so yeah just total suspense i thought um another thing that foreshadowed that a little were these two little scenes the um the rossin's the brother scene on the street i thought was really great and she almost she made an appearance like just missing them right. coming out of the bookstore right yeah and him sort of foreshadowing if she wants to run with the dogs you know like you know, that whole like, moment yeah and yet they still look uh in that scene and the way they mm -hmm. shot it the ross and brothers still look like really short and yep. hilariously costumed right like with their top hats and canes and it's it's just they keep doing this thing right where um where Ann Lister looks cooler and more together and more uh gentlemanly <laughs> yeah. uh, than them. And so yeah, it is it is uh, a really fascinating just moment as they almost bump into each other. Uh and yeah, you know like, oh shit, it's coming, right? Like yeah. Yeah. Upon watching this the second time, I've sort of the eviler of the of the Rossins yeah. brothers. Christopher. Um, Christopher. Um, and there was an earlier scene in the series where he he talks to his brother about having known Ann Lister, like socially. And yeah. sort of getting this vibe that he is like either super jealous of her or as a young man was attracted to her and into her. And was ultimately like rejected either inadvertently or mm. specifically like that he would have that there's something in him like against her that actually is like yeah. personal. Yeah, maybe she hum humiliated him right when he was right. Yeah, yeah, he was like, you want to dance, and then she she quickly was just like oh, da, 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 you know, and then he did, was flustered and didn't know what to. I could just sort of picture that as part of his like personal history, and he just hung on to this slight. <laughs> now, I'm making that up, but. Um, I thought that was awesome force I've seen and the sequence and how it moved and you're right the way every part of that was intentional how they were dressed how they were shot the angle her coming out yeah being on higher ground than them that than them going down the street her like walking up the opposite direction it was all very cool and the other moment that stuck out to me in this episode was when Miss Priestley says goodbye to the creepy reverend character and she watches him leave at the window and then turns back and she's got this super villain shot in the window. Yeah. And so it was just like, okay, like she's, she is the bad person. She is a bad guy now, straight up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Her character has done the complete 180 from yeah. know, super supportive of Van Lister. And how funny that uh, we talked about that, like how, f you know, supportive uh, the Priestleys were initially of Van Lister. And 
Yeah, how funny that this woman is only supportive because she just assumed the rumors were false this whole time. Like, she wouldn't confront the reality of this person. And so, you know, she's... And Lister doesn't live up to her fantasy, and now all hell is mm. broken loose. And uh, Ann Walker doesn't live up to Ann Lister's fantasy. And it's just, yeah, we get to see this, uh, this play out a lot of uh, how everyone's sort of trying to put other people into the box of, you know, roles in this time. And it's like this, this village of Halifax doesn't conform at all. We got a lot of strange individuals and uh, a lot of people who don't fit in their roles here. It's, uh, it's pretty Absolutely. fascinating. Absolutely. Intrigue, conflicts, dangers abide for Ann Lister emotionally, for her heart, for her mind, and now at the end of five for her physical safety and well-being is right. now in danger because of the the choice of going into this deeper into this industry of cold yeah the captain has said many times a dirty business nasty dirty business nasty dirty so this uh is so exciting that you're watching this for the first time i'm getting so much from watching this just a second time so get to talk to you i i really can't wait to talk about six and seven yeah and go from here yeah, and uh, I definitely was kind of alluding to this earlier, but I definitely think we're going to get a great story arc over the next few episodes. And my guess, because I've never seen this before, Steve, so I've never seen six, seven, or eight, my guess is that Ann Lister will double down and go deep. And by the end of season one, I think we'll see some rubber bands snap back. <laughs> that, I think, is a wonderful, wonderful way to wrap up uh, episodes four and five of Gentleman Jack. And next time, we're going to come back and talk about six and seven, Steve. Indeed. Please, everybody at home, join us. Hello, friends, and thanks for listening. We just wanted to take a quick moment and let you know that we are really excited to be a part of a growing podcast network. It's called Connected Podcasts, and there are many other great shows on the network that we think you are going to enjoy. That's Connected, C-O-N-N-E-C-T-D, podcasts.com. Thanks for listening.